Hi, I'm Ryan North. I'm Lori Fungi. And I'm Sean Wilson. You're listening to Foster Family Matters, a production of CK Family Services. People united through God to enhance the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of at-risk children and families. Our topic for today is support networks and community. And as always, we're kind of generally speaking with regards to foster parenting and foster care and adoption from foster foster care. Uh, Ryan and Lori, uh, what are we talking about? Why, why are we talking about support networks and community? Because we were made for relationship. We were made to live in relationship with other people and nothing thrives in isolation, right? Nothing, maybe mushrooms, maybe mushrooms thrive in isolation. But nothing else thrives in isolation, right? Being part of something um, is just so so healthy. It gets all the right brain chemicals going. Um, and, and it, I mean, listen, let's just cut the fluff and get, get to the point here. At some point, you're going to need help. That's right. And if you don't have help around you and people who understand you, who equipped you, who love you, um, and then, then we're really going to have, and we're not going to have an incident, we're going to have crisis. And so... I think one of the things in, in our experience um, over the years as parents that has really, really helped us mitigate a lot of hard times is having people around us who support us, who love us, who, who not just support us and, and love us in the terms of, because that sounds very affirming, but who love us enough to, to kind of help us when we're, when we're down the wrong path, who, who says, look, I, I know you think that this is all because of the kids' behaviors, but uh, allow me to love you enough to share with you what you're contributing to, to, to making the situation. So um, that's what I mean by su- support, Sean, is that people who are really, really, um, like you're doing life with them, okay? So so for us, um, we were part of a small group at church, and we have six kids. Everybody else in that group had two. Uh, we were the only foster and adoptive family at the time. We were still actively fostering, so there was and every now and then a new face with the group for a little while. And we felt that over time, um, it's almost like um, they excluded us from some things because our family was so different. Um, the makeup of our family, the size of our family, the way we chose to parent our children was so different that we actually ended up um, leaving that group, which was really, really difficult for us, uh, particularly since um, the couple that were leading the group, um, he's one of my dearest friends, and it's actually the person who introduced my wife and I to each other. I performed their wedding. I mean, our lives have been intertwined for a long, long time. Um, and then actually started another group with, with folks that we knew who are who all have either fostered or have adopted. And so um, I love that because when the kids are all together, it's loud and everybody kind of understands what's going on uh, and people understand um, what it's like to be in, in that foxhole. And so I know that's not possible for everybody, but if, and as much as it is possible to do that level of deep relationship with people, I think it's really, really important. Absolutely. I also think we tend to, as foster parents, we look to our extended family and close friends um, and say, yes, I, I feel support and I have supports in my corner and these are who they are. Um, and, and yet I still know families that, and my heart always goes out to them where either they've been isolated on purpose by their family because of the choice of fostering and adoption, where there wasn't um, an agreement as to whether or not that was in their best interest. And so their extended family and our friends pulled back and pulled away from them because of the choice that they made. 
And my heart goes out because of the isolation. And now Ryan was saying that we, we can't do this in isolation. We don't do life in isolation, much less pour life into those that need it the most. To do that in isolation, we're going to feel we're going to feel the loneliness in that. And so to have people like Ryan was saying in your corner that has been in the, in the foxhole or in the trenches that can pour into you and pour onto you wisdom and experience and insight. And sometimes that constructive criticism to open your eyes and look through it through a different perspective. And so with the families that I work with where they've reached out to their extended family and maybe received some, um, some suggestions or recommendations that didn't sit well, things like, well, just give them back or spank him or, you know, what's this thing with time in, put him in time out, let him give him something to think about, all really traditional parenting techniques, right? And there's really no fault for these other family members because I, I, I honestly believe the opinions are coming from a place of love and protection for you, whoever that parent is that's seeking that guidance from, from those people. They love you and they don't want to see you challenged and conflicted and heartbroken and in this place of despair because of these behaviors that you're that you're working in through um, in your home. And so they may give advice that comes from a good place, but maybe it's not the most beneficial. More times than not, it's not beneficial. I think the other reason that it's important to have a well-developed support community is because sometimes uh, the family relationships tend to get a little bit difficult particularly um, for, for, for the majority of the folks who are listening to this because they have said, um, we're going to foster, um, we're adopting. And so, um, you know, one of the things that in our experience in ministry over the years is that a lot of people will tend to um, isolate when things get hard instead of leaning in when they need to because um, none of us wants to hear the four, uh, the four worst words in all of English. Because our families have a lot of times said, at least in my experience, at first they would said, "Well, this is going to be hard. Why do you want to do this?" Um, you know, they came around, but it was—it's been a fifteen-year journey to make a lot of progress there. But initially, uh, my my parents and my in-laws were all very concerned about us when we said we were going to be become foster parents. And so, one of the temptations is when you do hit hard times, you don't reach out to them because you don't want to hear the four four worst words in all of English. Does anybody know what the four worst words? Because I told, told you, you so. so. Well, that's five. <laughs> because I told you so. The five worst words, right? Nobody wants to hear I, that. I think that depends on your accent. Like you can you can get a couple of those words stuck together before. <laughs> because I told you so. <laughs> because I told you so. <laughs> uh, what did Daniel create? Yeah. So, so we don't want to hear that. But that's why we need a genuine support community, and that's why I think we we bear such responsibility to educate the people in our circle. Right? I'm not saying that we need to just you know, abandon ship on everybody you know and seek out people who, uh, who have fostered or who have adopted, but um, really educated. And we encourage people all the time, hey, you know, if you're reading The Connected Child, and we talk about that in, in intern orientation here at CK, uh, get a copy and give it to your parents, if, mm-hmm. especially if they're proximate and they're going to be around the kids a lot. Um, we recommend the whole brain child all the time too because it's, if, if there is a barrier to, to foster care or adoption in somebody, that book's not written from a foster and adopt standpoint. It's just, you know, um, your, your neurotypical child who has, by the way, some of the same behaviors you see with your right. foster kids, right? They may be less frequent. They may be less intent, but we're seeing, intense, but we're seeing the same things. And so and there's a lot of things you can get out there that to, to prepare stuff. And, and when, when I found out that my mom and my mother-in-law had both read The Whole Brain Child, 
um, I just was just uh, this this sense of happiness I could feel it in my chest, right? Because to us that was an indicator that they had said, "Yes, we're not just going to support you in this um, in, in theory because you're our children. We're going to support you in this because this is what you do." And so, and because the children need that support, they do, as well, yeah. And right? so, so we bear a, a big responsibility to to seek those support mechanisms because they're not just going to magically appear while we're sitting on the couch. The flip side of that, though, too, and I think it's important to talk about, is that it's a two-way street because you also need to be the kind of person that's going to support other people who are on this journey. Right? We, we tell people in class all the time, I know you do too, Lori, trade numbers, telephone numbers with people who, who, are, who are reasonably proximate to you. So you can do, do this together and provide respite for each other. And yeah, So I talked earlier about that support community that, that we're part of, and, and there's a couple in there that... Um, that we met years and years ago. Um, Kayla and I both had to be in meetings uh, for a couple of days, and they had just got licensed as foster parents, and somebody at our church connected us with them. Um, and and so we met them the day that we brought the kiddos, uh, the kiddos over to their house for her to keep them from like you know 8 a.m. to about 2 p.m., uh, and, and got to know them. And just really as a result of that, they're some of our dearest friends in the world. We are. Uh, we're going on. We're going on vacation with them here soon. We go. Our families go to family camp together every summer. Um, they, they've got. A, we do a lot of ministry work together. All born out of them saying, "We don't know these people, but we're going to raise our hands and help them for just a couple of days." Uh, they became our only respite care providers. The rest of the time, we were foster parents. Um, our kids now have sleepovers at their house. They come and have sleepovers at our house. The kids are over last week. And so we've really now do life together, mm. uh, and these are these are precious, precious people. But that beautiful relationship started because they said, "I am willing to help somebody," and I think it's important to to, to point out that that building of that support community is not just a, a, a is not just a take experience; it's a give and take experience. Right, That's and a- truly is. Sorry, Sean. No, go ahead. With that, we all have a story. And so if we're doing this for the first time and we're three months into it, you have a three-month-long story, and your story can even go further to what training looked like for you, what setting up, what licensure looked like, what the idea, what was the, the, the main reason of why you even decided to do fostering. You may share that with somebody, or your story may help change change somebody else's perspective or insight or may just be able to, to pour in and offer encouragement to somebody else. In the seven years that I've done this, I very rarely ever see the same case over again. And so we spend a lot of time talking about the support necessary to help these children. But the support's also necessary for you because we know this journey is so difficult, not just simply with the kiddos that come in with their own trauma histories, but with the process itself. Everything from training and licensure and the expectations placed on you and the number of people that come into your home, your home becomes a revolving door when you start fostering. And it's great to know that there's so many people that have their eyes and and hearts on the kiddos in your home, but that doesn't necessarily make it easier for you and your scheduling. If there's 20 business days in a month and there's 11 potential professionals in that kiddo's lives, ranging from an ad litem to an OT and an ST and a therapist, it becomes incredibly difficult. And I think that's an added stressor that our families deal with, as well as the system. The system's broken. We know that we're all advocates of trying to help 
remedy the system. But in the meantime, there are frustrations and there's problems that lie in there that make this this mission a little bit laborious more so than times and arduous more so than times than just caring for kids. We think this is, I've been a parent or I've always wanted to be a parent. I can do this. I can love on this little one. And although that may be true, the hoops that you have to jump through to get there can be the headache in and of themselves. So one of the things that that I've cued on here is you're using the term building community, right? And I, I, that's a, that's kind of a proactive or at least an action-based uh concept. We're not falling into community. Community isn't necessarily just coming to us, but but it's something that you have to actively seek and develop and nurture, um, I, I suppose, in a similar way to fostering children and, and raising them, right? And and if you find yourself in a situation where you have a support network um, that is underperforming, for lack of a better word, um, it can be really easy to kind of fall into a place of, you know, woe is me and, and you know, oh, you know, this terrible thing has happened to me. But the reality is, is that there's some some opportunity in that uh, to pick yourself up by the bootstraps, so to speak, and develop your community. CK Family Services makes a couple of different uh, uh, outreach efforts to families to try to help them build and create that sense of community if they don't have one that's performing uh, well, you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Correct. Um, one of my favorites is the CK Family Builders uh, Facebook page. I think that's a great outlet. Uh, if you're a little uncertain or new to this and, and maybe you're more of an introvert and the idea of going to a support group feels a little overwhelming, this is a great way just to get plugged in and start putting some names to some faces, put your story out there, see how you can pour out and be poured into from other people in the community and around you. You know, and I think that, um, and I mentioned this earlier, kind of as a tie in there, that sometimes you receive and sometimes you give, right? It's give and take. Um, you know, we've always felt that if you are, if you're at a place where you need support, then you should, then you should, then you should um, rest in that place mm. you know, and, and, and receive the support. But if you're on a sliding scale of between unhealthy and healthy and you're at like 55% healthy, I'm like, get in. Right. Don't wait till you're ninety percent healthy. Wait till you're fifty-five percent healthy, because then you just you, your ability to give exceeds your ability to your need to take by just a little bit. But but jumping in there is what's gonna gonna drive that that a lot, right? So um, you know we have digital ways to connect here at the agency. You can connect with your your uh, caseworker if you need to, who can tie you into support. There are just a lot of people who who want to serve and who may be at a place where they can serve and maybe, and, and there's no shame in being at a place where you need to take. And I think that needs to be said that there is absolutely zero shame in that because I think when you feel shame in that place, you isolate, which is the last thing anybody knows. Cause I promise you, you're not going to view the kids behaviors any better if you're just sitting at, at, at home focusing on how bad things are currently going. Unless you're a mushroom. Unless, Unless you're, a mushroom. you're a mushroom. That's true. You know, another resource that's available that's not necessarily always directly tied to CK, but there's so many community uh, community groups and things that you can take advantage of, whether it's uh, through a church group that you may be tied into. There, are, I know there are support groups uh, that meet that are sponsored by the Department of Family and Protective Services. Uh, they typically are county-based uh, that you can join in with. Um, you know, regardless of, of who you are and, and what your need is, if you just start looking and asking and, and regardless of whether you're a CK family or not, if you're looking for connection and trying to connect, feel free to give us a call, reach out to us, uh, and, and we'll help you connect. 
Um, there's actually uh, an, an organization uh, called Tapestry that has done a fantastic job over the years uh, here in North Texas, uh, uh, connecting uh, families that have adopted from foster care, but also those that are actively fostering children. Um, and, and it's a fantastic community. I, I encourage that you reach out and, and connect with them. Yeah, so um, I, I, I was wondering if, if we could mention that because for, for a long time, that was my job, Tapestry, right? And so um, some changes over the last couple of years. Um, it's no longer a church-based ministry. It's a independent ministry that my wife runs now, and she's done a lot of work with churches, equipping them um, to come around families who are fostering, come around families who have adopted, and really support them and help build that community, but take a lot of the headaches out of that in terms of child care, uh, with the children being cared for well, uh, food and things of that nature. So, um, you know, there is, there is a, a, you know, we're a Christian agency and there's a growing, um, and there has been for at least a decade, but still certainly a growing movement among churches here in town wanting to provide supports uh, to, to communities, uh, to adoptive and foster families. And so, um, you know, you, you may find like, like we did when we were fostering that our church had a, had a ministry for adoptive and foster families and we didn't know about it until we got to a place where we were struggling and then somebody connected us with it. So, so you may be getting, go at a church that already has something like that or uh, might not and, and might seek out a church that does um, do those kinds of things because we firmly believe that it is our responsibility towards each other to, to help and support in any way we can, whether that be personally, somebody you know that you're doing life with, or, or if you call up here in crisis, right? I mean, I remember I had been working about six months and somebody had called up here in crisis wanting to know how to handle a situation. And the front desk called my office and said, um, hey, can you talk to this person? And we just kind of talked them through on the, on the phone on perhaps what might be a good way to do that. So I know you mentioned CK supports earlier, Sean, um, but it is, it is varied and, and plentiful. It's not just things like, like the Family Builders Facebook group and, and getting in community with other people that you're meeting in class. But, but we have people up here who call up to the office and say, hey, I'm in crisis. Can you walk me through this? And we got a lot of a lot of our, our staff here have are TBRI trained. I don't know what percentage of the agency is, but there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of experience as well. Not just the training, but also the lived experience. That that if if nothing else, reach out to us here at the office. Sean, Sean will take your call. Let me ask you, Ryan. Was that that Thanks, moment Ryan. that you were talking about with your church? And finding that they had a foster and adoption ministry that you were aware of, but you were in a, a state of crisis or, or things were amping up for you and your family. Was that one of your first steps to, to seeking support from the community? Yes, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the point where we realized we needed help. And I think if I, if, if Sean, if you wanted me to just kind of like leave everybody with a takeaway, I would say seek support and build those relationships before you need help. Because while you're trying to keep your head above water is not the time to learn how to bake a cake. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you got you to have the, those people connected because we didn't. We thought we were going to save the world one foster kid at a time, and we were awesome. And then crisis hit, and we realized that we weren't saving anybody or anything, and we were, in fact, not awesome. It turns out that was a really humbling moment, uh, for me at least, at our house to learn that I wasn't awesome. Yeah, and so, um, and that's when we, we started seeking out um, the support and the relationships uh, with people who had beaten down this road a little bit further than we had. So, yeah, I would certainly, certainly encourage you that, that while times are good, um, in the same way that the Joseph stored up grain in the silos during the years of plenty, that you would store up relational grain, so to speak, in times of plenty. Being proactive in that? 
You know, I will, uh, Ryan, while, while trying to keep your head above water is not the right time to learn how to bake a cake, while trying to keep your head above water is the right time to receive a cake that someone else has made for you. Yes, I'm not sure that's actually going to make it into uh, the English language as a as a great uh, as a great metaphor for anything. It's fantastic, though. <laughs> Ryan or uh, Lori, do you have any, uh, any takeaways for us? Do we have cake? I want some cake. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's wet. It's yeah. it's made in the sea. It's salty. I don't want salty cake. Salty caramel cake. <laughs> My takeaway would be. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. If if you're involved in a church that does have a ministry, excellent. If they don't have a ministry, then talking to somebody, being an advocate for other families that may be curious about foster care or wanting to pursue foster care, it could be enough that it holds somebody back if they don't feel as though they have the supports in place, this community and the circle around them to cheer them on and to encourage them along the way. And you could be you could be advocating for that other family. You could be advocating for yourself. Um, whatever that looks like, whether it's a church or just your community, whether it's your neighborhood, looking and seeing how you can contribute to a sense of community for the sake of not just our kiddos, but for all families as well. Um, and then ultimately, we're here for you. And I say that from CK, and our prayer is if you're with another agency that you find a sense of family, you find a sense of partnership, um, a sense of devotion and investment in you through your agency. I know those are things that we offer to our families here. If they're willing to accept those things, I know those things can be hard to accept, but just to, to let out the invitation with hands and hearts wide open for you to come to us and allow us to pour into you and serve you as a family and to love on you and help you get through those times, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, we want to be a part of it with you. Well, that concludes this episode on uh, support networks and community. Thanks again for listening and uh, be sure to share with all of your family and friends. Uh, We're trying to get the word out there about this little project and I hope that you find value in it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Can't wait. Can't wait.